and welcome to Sutra Side Talk, episode 148. I'm your host, Cameron Shustar, and with me is... James Seelig. Uh, I fucked up last time, and I think I said like 225 or some shit, and I was like, that seems weird, I don't remember episode 200, and I'm like, oh right, there was none, and I was actually uh, looking at how many episodes we've done total across all four shows, plus all the specials and E3 things we've done uh, for this one, so at least cool congrats, and <laughs> we've done over 200 and 25 uh, just episodes of everything together. But yeah, we're at 148. Yeah, I fucked up real bad and tried to... I don't know what I was thinking. I tried to change the like file name as I was trying to save it and it lost like everything. Thankfully, you had a, the backup from like Zoom, but... Just don't let it Dude, happen again. <laughs> no, I'm never doing that again. I felt so stupid. I Like the entire day, I just felt so bad. Good thing I'm going to build a new computer in like a week and see oh how I boy. fuck that up. Bro, you put your tongue on the motherboard. You weren't supposed to do that. Now it's ruined. Uh, yeah, but nah, yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm going to spend the week just like reading the manuals over and over again just to make sure I know everything plugs into what plugs into what and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And of course, this is Sutra Side Talk. We talk uh, what we've been playing and watching as well as a select news on games, movies, and TV shows. And we actually got some this week. Uh, also, I'm happy to say, like, I've uh, there was some stuff I've been trying to get done for, like, forever now uh, on a, like, non-podcast-related stuff. And I got some of it. I got, like, a big thing done where I'm like, oh, cool. I can, like, get back to Cut a Steel and up to it, down to it, and all the social media stuff and TikTok and everything else. So uh, keep keep tuned up. Uh, we're going to be uh, putting out a lot more stuff on all that stuff soon. Uh, this coming week, I'm hoping to focus on getting more, uh, starting to cut up little one-minute clips to put on TikTok and everything else. But uh, yeah, more more stuff on Instagram, at least Monday through Friday. Uh, some Twitter stuff. And uh, yeah, working on the next episodes of The Cut of Steel and Up To It, Down To It, potentially recording this week for Up To It, Down To It, maybe. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have stuff coming out, and also, we right before this recorded Sutra Sidewatch, myself and Brandon Blockstorf. So, uh, we will have that episode out. I want to say a couple days after this one, and we have uh, <laughs> we had to continue back with January with Malcolm X for Spike Lee month. So that episode will be uh, out and about, and then uh, we're working on pretty much uh, February through May will be a big old jumble of just like different episodes potentially so it might be all mix matched and out of order but all of those movies will be coming in too so a lot of stuff happening for us uh getting back into the into the game as it were but james yeah today we've got uh some gaming news and we Mm -hmm. have two movies we're talking about this week we have the northman and the unbearable weight of massive talent, a.k.a. Nick Cage, the movie. Yeah, both of which we watched over the last couple of days. Yeah, so uh, we got those two as our big topics. If we got extra time after, uh, more backlog stuff we can get through. Uh, it'll be a good time. Uh, you know, nice little easy one, considering like Lena last week we had Momo on, talking all anime. Uh, next week is Marvel, and we might have two guests for that one too, for Doctor Strange and Moon Knight. So... This is like our relaxed, like, yo, just talking about a couple movies and like no other guests. It's just us doing our thing, which is nice. And 
I feel like we haven't really talked news in a while either. It hasn't like been much. Been, yeah. Yeah. Because at this point now, I don't like to talk about just any news. It has to be something we can really actually discuss for like five, ten minutes or so. Uh, and this week we do have a couple interesting ones, I guess you could say. And yeah. uh, I guess we should get into it then. You ready? Yeah. Let me get a five minute timer going. All right. Thank you very much. So first off, we have a, a sale and it's not sony this time and it's not microsoft it is the giant slime monster that is embracer and i'm not like saying like oh it's an evil company i'm just saying like it literally is a blob now because it just absorbs things it's just funny how like it'll take studios publishers uh ips and just be like yo i just we just took it and it's it's so funny because you know uh, this Sony Bungie acquisition just apparently got a little bit of like they're they're getting oversight now. Like people are looking into it, checking to see if it, this will be legal for them to do, which is kind of funny considering like oh yeah, they spent like three and a half billion dollars on Bungie alone. Yeah, and it's like you know I feel like it's not as a big deal as like hey Microsoft just bought two game publishers, and yeah. that's a lot bigger. And, you know, they're being looked at, too, but, like, it's just, like, everything should just go through fine. I don't see why it wouldn't work. Uh, Whereas, like, Embracer just goes, like, yo, we just bought, like, the entirety of Saber Interactive or, like, Gearbox Studios and stuff. No one says shit. They seem like they're just, like, a super producer at this point, or I don't know if that's, like, a useful term. But basically, they, they just buy companies that they think can make a decent product, and they just fund them hoping that like it's almost like buying and, tr- and selling stocks but instead of stocks you're just like oh this company might make me money let's see if that's like you know a ret- gonna be a return on investment and i don't know i get that that's one way to make money but it's just i think that's the main reason people are weirded out by this news is just like oh embracer group bought like and it's also like i don't think you've got to it yet like it's who they bought this time yeah and it's just like whoa what yeah why damn it <laughs> well i mean it's funny when you look at embracer before we say who they got you know they started off it, it was remember the publisher thq mm-hmm. they went under they were gone and then like uh thq nordic which was the studio they, i think they just like fucking darksiders and shit yeah. uh all of a sudden came out and were like hey we're the publisher thq nordic we bought the properties and stuff and they started just like slow like slowly but small like acquisitions of things and they grew and then they grew and then they grew and then they were like hey we're gonna change our name to a parent company of embracer and now we have all these sub publishers it's like take two with uh 2k games and rockstar where they're separate but they're still under the same parent company embracer is a parent company and they have basically within it gearbox saber uh thq nordic and like so i think one or two other small like other publishers and within them is like all these different studios and it's just an insane amount and uh getting into who they bought they bought part of square enix and you know square enix is more or less to a parent company they had like square enix they basically and bought all their western studios all of idos more uh, like kind of to be i guess more specific and idos was made up of like four studios more i'd say i guess like oh, is in that one how that works it felt like idos was their western portion for Mm. the most part not everything but like 
you know, you see like Eidosan Tomb Raider and like uh, Deus Ex and stuff like that. Like that was where it was visible. Well, I thought Tomb Raider was Crystal Dynamics. Oh, no, I, I guess maybe they were published by Eidos. Honestly, yeah, the, I don't Eidos' publisher, noticing. Crystal Dynamics, is the developer under Eidos, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So they got a lot of Eidos, which was they acquired Crystal Dynamics, uh, Eidos Montreal, Square Enix Montreal. So they have two studios there. And so they got three studios and a catalog of IPs, including Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, uh, Thief, Legacy of Kane, and more than 50 back catalog games uh for 300 million dollars and this comes from the ign article by adam bank it's crazy that they got all of those things even just i mean maybe this is over um overvaluing specific properties but even just um tomb raider for less than 300 million dollars is like crazy well okay no just tomb raider can't be worth that much but it's just like all of those things combined 300 million seems like a steal yeah and, you know, the deals, if it goes through, will be uh, Q2 of Embracer's, like, 2022-2023 financial year. And I looked at it, and it's like, yo, if this goes, once this goes through, uh, the article states, like, you know, Embracer will have more than 14,000 employees, 10,000 game developers, and 124 internal studios. It also confirmed that it has more than 230 games in development at those studios, and more than 30 RAAA titles. Like, Damn. Embracer is pretty much now the largest game developer, I feel. Or the game, uh, largest game the publisher. The only other one that I can think planet. of might be, like, Tencent. And that's literally, I guess, my last point on this is, like, at least it wasn't Tencent that bought these properties, but... Yeah. Eh. I mean, it, it's a kind of a funny thing. When you see Tencent, there's a fear just because of Chinese censorship uh, yeah. that occurs with the government and everything else. So that's why I'm always kind of apprehensive. That's why I was happy, more or less, with Sony buying Bungie because Tencent was kind of getting their claws in there a bit. And I was a little worried for what could happen in the future. And instead, you know, now things have changed. And whereas, like, when Embracer buys something, it feels kind of more like... It kind of feels like a comedy. Like, you're kind of laughing like, oh, hey, they got another one. And you don't really think about it because there's nothing really... No one talks about Embracer. No one really knows Embracer. It's just like... It's just they're just there and they keep churning shit out. Like, it's insane how much of a behemoth they are now. And they're just like, hey, here's all these games. And you don't really think about it other than that. Like, they're just huge, but they don't you feel like they don't even exist. If that makes sense. Uh, Well, they don't have press conferences. You don't think about it because it's like there's they have so many studios now. It's hard to keep track of, like, everything that is Embracer Group. So you just forget about them until you hear about them in the news, I guess. Yeah. It's usually uh, they bought another one. And now they have all this. And it's like, oh, shit. So the fourth Tomb Raider game in that series will be uh, published by Embracer or whatever part. Like, I don't really know exactly what portion of Embracer that these studios will go under. Will they just be like, oh, this is our Eidos branch or some shit? Like, I, I can't really tell because it doesn't. It seems like maybe Eidos still exists then under Square Enix because they didn't say they bought Eidos. They said they bought three, three studios. So yeah. I don't really know exactly how much of Eidos is left under Square. Uh, but it's just like the fact of these. And also uh, Crystal is still working on, uh, what do you call it? The uh, the Perfect Dark thing, which that was like a weird Yeah, with the initiative, thing. how they, you know, initiative is 
pretty much been in the shits. Like it's hard to hide how much development hell they've been in and people going in and out. And now Crystal is working with them to help it. And it's just funny too, because they're like, yo, we made the Avengers game. And you're like, uh, I don't know if that's good. And, <laughs> I don't think that made that much money. Yeah. Or not as much as they would hope. You know, people are going to be a lot more excited when they do another Tomb Raider. Because that's at least more, you, you have a good feeling about that. And that's where they're really good with is Tomb Raider and stuff. But who knows how this fucking Perfect Dark game will be for whatever it's going to be. If it's actually a quad A studio game or whatever. Uh, I, I, it doesn't feel like it probably will be personally because that also just it sounded very pretentious when they first said that but uh the reason for screen x doing this is pretty fucking funny uh so for this 300 million dollar purchase they got on that end they said uh this transaction will allow the company to invest in the blockchain ai and the cloud uh, I mean, cloud, fine, AI, fine, blockchain. Yeah, blockchain was just kind of like the, yo, what you doing there? What was going, what's going on, man? Are we getting some fucking, are we getting uh, Final Fantasy NFTs? Is this what's, is this the direction we're going in? Like, that's kind of like the, the, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's kind of the fear there. Are they going to go the way that Ubisoft is going, where they're just kind of like doing all this stuff that I don't personally think is good at all but they're doing it anyway so it's hard to say but yeah that's that i don't really have too many feelings on it it's like more of like it, it's funny when you look at this purchase and you feel more weird about screenix than you do at embracer you're like oh you're going blockchain shit and then it's you know embracer's just like you've got more business as usual <laughs> yeah business as usual like it's it's just funny um i think what would be hilarious or not even hilarious it would be interesting if they just did a fucking conference like an e3 type thing where they're like hey here's our event here's all the fucking games from all our different like sub publishers and studios within them that are coming out for triple a at least like they probably have a lot that they could show and they just don't they just don't even they're just like now we'll just stay under the radar which could be better uh who knows if it's like a thing that's actually good for them because that means they're not getting like annoying press and stuff or all the issues that other publishers are all getting right now. Um, but it's just something to think about, I guess, yeah. because we always talk about the, we've talked about this company many times in the past, but this is like kind of the first time in a while we've been like, yo, they're still going. <laughs> they're just still eating companies up. So yeah, it's just interesting. And the game news doesn't stop there. We're moving in uh, summer season uh, as the days of old would have been oh, it's E3 time, time to get ready for all those press conferences and go crazy and have a week of insanity in which instead, you know, we've had COVID and instead we had an entire summer of just fatigue and a lot of events that kind of just kept doing the same thing over and over. And it was exhausting. Everyone stepped up to be like, I'll be E3. No, I'll be E3. Yeah, it was, it was fucking Clash of Kings. It was just like season two of Game of Thrones for fucking summer gaming and it was insane but and now e3 this year is just like uh we're not doing it yeah they're like we're gone instead you know once again jeff Keighley and summer game fest is rising up and summer game fest has actually been the like the one interesting part of all these like summer shows and stuff yeah he does a good job when it doesn't last for like months yeah and at least for his stuff when it does stretch into the summer his stuff is usually hey i'm just focusing on tony hawk or Crash 4. Like, it's not, yeah. like, a whole thing. It's just, hey, we're going to talk about this game for 40 minutes. 
And then you're like, oh, okay. Like, that's not crazy. That is actually just probably a five minute conversation. And then you're good to go after. Like, it's not that bad. But this year, uh, Summer Game Fest and more like uh, the summer of, you know, the E3 type stuff that we're getting is uh, the week of June 9th. And June 9th is when Summer Game Fest kicks off and they'll have their own, it looks like, conference which I don't think they've really done something at that scale before. Like, I'm just like, hey, we're doing a thing on a day. Because the big thing about it is, th the reason why it feels like it's a bigger thing this time is, it's going to be an IMAX. Uh, select IMAX theaters in the country will actually show Summer Game Fest on June 9th. And... Uh, That's kind of cool. Yeah, and I'm very curious. Like, they, they have a trailer of all this stuff, and I wasn't sure if it's all this stuff coming out for the uh, stuff they're actually going to talk about because I saw and it was Sifu and Horizon 2. So I'm like, well, okay, are these games actually going to be in it because some of these games already came out? Uh, is it going to be just surprise stuff or like are the games that are shown in this trailer going to happen? One that stuck out was that Lord of the Rings Gollum game that I don't want because um, right, I saw yeah. Gollum's fucking big head. So <laughs> that was unavoidable. Uh, and... It's just it's it's just interesting because we've had like theatrical conferences before. Like, you know, what I mean, you could go to the conference and it's at a big theater in L.A. And yeah. you're like, cool. But, you know, like Sony PlayStation, stuff like that. PlayStation went, hey, do you guys want to just go to a local movie theater for yourself and watch it? And we'll give you guys like a fucking lanyard and cup or some shit. And you're like, cool. All right. Yeah. And you could watch the press conference in a theater. And it's actually really fun. And I've done it twice, maybe three times. I want to say uh, I was at a, a Microsoft one in person once, which was really cool in 2014. That was actually really dope. But, uh, you know, there hasn't been like E3 press conferences anymore. So we haven't had that feeling of wanting to go into a theater to watch anything since. And, you know, COVID hasn't really helped that either. So this is the first time we've actually we're getting that kind of experience again. And I think it's pretty ballsy that they, you know, Sony just went, hey, you can go to like the fucking Westfield Century Theater and a theater in there will have it. And Summer Game Fest is going, we're going IMAX. We're going into the fucking IMAX and you could watch an IMAX. Like that, that is kind of be a, fun to go see. That's a big ball move, right? Is that it's a fucking big balls move that Keeley was able to make that type of deal and partnership. And, you know, tickets, uh, I think it says go and see like May 12th. So in like four days or something. And June 9th is a Thursday. So... It's a Thursday morning. Mm. It's It seems like it's a morning thing because it says Server Game Fest is going to be. What did it say? I think it was on their website. 11 a.m. Pacific time. So it's not a mm. night thing. Mm. So you got to okay. go to the like go there early, I guess. Um, I don't know. You can go to Super Duper right before. I could take like a, a day off work, I guess, if I really want to do it. Yeah, if you really wanted to do it, you know, go to Super Duper, get a breakfast sandwich and then just go in there. <laughs> Uh, but that's June 9th, then June 10th on here, because it's like Summer Game Fest shows kind of like their schedule, like they usually do for whatever they've revealed so far for the summer. Uh, the day after, so on a Friday, will be the Tribeca Games Spotlight. And I think that started last year. So it's more like the indie art type games that feel like they're something special that would like belong to this festival. Uh and then on June 12th, which is a Sunday, we have the 
Xbox Bethesda Games Showcase. So they are put together. You're getting a lot of games that are going to potentially be shown. Um, so that's it's interesting happen. that like it's it's not just the Xbox Games Showcase. It's the Xbox and Bethesda games. Like they still count them as well. They did separate. say they're going to be. They would be their own. Like they would kind of have autonomy. So yeah. in a way, Bethesda. It's like Microsoft is a parent company. Xbox Game Studios is one publisher. And Bethesda is another publisher. Yeah. And I guess, like, really question here, I guess this would kind of expand this into, like, a 10-minute topic over a 5-minute. But uh, for Summer Game Fest and the this showcase for Xbox Microsoft, like, what are you hoping to see for each of them? Because one thing I'm wondering is, are we going to see something from Microsoft and Bethesda at the Summer Game Fest on June 9th and then go to be continued? at the xbox they've done it sometimes but if they're focusing on their own showcase that massive do you think they'd even want to bother with that like they they would want to have all their hands in basket there and just have some big old launch they could do like a teaser trailer like not even a full trailer be like hey here's the 10 second thing here's the trailer for the trailer i could see them doing that for starfield where they have like a trailer for starfield or fables or fable uh at uh the summer game fest thing and then just like say yeah if you want to see like the full gameplay reveal for um starfield you could you know come watch the xbox uh, showcase or i guess bethesda showcase so that could work i mean i can't think of what else i mean they could talk like halo infinite season two stuff at the game, uh, game fest stu- uh, like event, you know something that people don't really like care too much about, but should still be could be newsworthy, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Um, but I feel like yeah, mo- they since they have their own showcase, they would probably do most of their stuff there, and not and almost nothing at uh, the other showcase. So for summer game fest, I'm thinking. We're going to see, like, a lot of third-party stuff there, potentially. And I'm thinking, actually, also, because, you know, Sony always comes in late with stuff or they want to show stuff at their own thing, but their thing is going to probably be, like, is it going to be June? They haven't talked about it at all. So I feel like it might be, like, July, August or something. Uh, They, You know, they notice how more recently sony's been kind of spacing themselves out from other stuff they kind of want the spotlight all to themselves mm-hmm. like they want their own month practically yeah no last year we were waiting for a while after e3 or yeah. that like era they that did do e3, e3, last e3 season year. yeah yeah uh so i'm thinking this at least for third-party stuff i'm imagining we might see this i'm going out on a limb here bioshock uh, from yeah, Echo. I mean, that's been a rumored uh, from Cloud project Chamber. for a while. Cloud Chamber Studios has been working on it for a long time now, and we don't know what it kind of Bioshock it is, but I'm imagining that. I'm thinking Modern Warfare Two will be shown, maybe. And I they think did just show off a um, logo. Oh wait, no, they're the doing logo. their own reveal. Their what was their time? Oh, really? They, yeah, they did say. Um, Dude, I just realized this is probably unlikely, but how insane would it be? if Jeff Keighley got Rockstar to show off GTA 6 for the first time at his show, that would 
probably not happen because they still haven't even sold uh, the new version, like the updated versions of GTA Five yet. I think is it, are those out yet? GTA Five. Yeah, I don't think they're out yet. Yeah, so uh, it would be well. I mean, maybe by June, but it it would I, it would be really unlikely for him to get that. I mean. Maybe CD Projekt could show uh, Cyberpunk DLC. Uh, maybe they could do an update on where The Witcher 3 updated version is or or how that's coming along. Oh, there is a leak. It, it, so June 9th was the Modern Warfare 2 date. So I think it is for sure actually going to be at Summer Game Fest. Hmm, okay. Yeah. But, yeah. So I'm thinking... Sorry, what was the last thing you said? Uh... The Witcher, uh, exp- like updated version, maybe if CD Projekt nah, has anything to show. Because they said that the other twenty twenty three. So I think if they yeah, show the anything, other thing was like uh, Cyberpunk DLC, maybe. Yeah, the we would see the DLC for that, maybe, and that's the only thing we'd see from them. We wouldn't see. I don't think they're ballsy enough to throw a Witcher four trailer, uh, teaser thing, especially if they just started it. Uh, it yeah, would be too crazy. I think so too. Um, but yeah, so I'm thinking Bioshock. I'm thinking Modern Warfare two for sure. is Modern Warfare two. God of War Ragnarok. I can see that. I think sure. it would premiere there. And then when Sony does their thing, they'll either do a state of play dedicated to it or they'll do like a full on like demo to it in um in their own showcase. So it's one of those three. And I think it'll start, it'll premiere in Summer Game Fest. I don't know if you saw, but uh, one of the VizFX guys, uh, Raph Corsetti, he's like a really big, he does crazy um, designs of characters and stuff. But he teased like his god of war ragnarok t-shirt and it looks so fucking dope with like the blue and stuff and that was just recently so i'm like i feel like he it was around the time summer game fest was like announced for everything so i'm, I'm kind of like wondering like oh is that gonna be what's gonna go on but um those are my big three uh for summer game fest i'm sure there'll be a lot of other stuff minor stuff and then um you know i'm sure ubisoft will Wait, did Ubisoft say they weren't going to? No, no. EA was the one that said they wouldn't have anything this year. They wouldn't have like a mm, EA Play right. Live. But I think Ubisoft will still probably be like, hey, we're going to do Ubisoft Forward. And it's going to be like, I hate you. Stop it, please. No <laughs> more forwards. And I, honestly, all I want to see from them is the new Avatar game. That's it. Frontiers of Pandora. Because that does come out this year. Um, but as for Microsoft and Bethesda, I just want to go down the line here, James, really fast. Or, or as fast as I can without going too fast if that makes sense uh just down their line of their studios so like they you know they have 23 studios and i mean not all of them are like main ones so i'll just i'll I'll name the ones that need to be named but 343 you know they're still working on halo infinite so if they do something at the showcase i'm sure it'll be something like hey here's an update you know what i think actually you know what i think they'll show for halo infinite the first stuff the first story dlc uh i can see that yeah I think it'll be their first story DLC uh, that continues the story that they were doing in Infinite. And, you know, they could do some season two stuff and tease season three and be like, hey, this is what's going on with co-op and Forge. <laughs> we're coming yeah. eventually. So, because, you know, it's a fucking mess. I keep forgetting uh, that, 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 like, co-op isn't even a thing yet. Yeah. Still. Uh, World's Edge is the Age of Empires guys, so I don't think they'll be there, but they could say some stuff there. I mean, the whole thing, Age of Empires 2 and 3 are still being supported. Age of Empires 4, if anything, they might announce their first DLC characters for 4. So I do see that happening. Uh, The Coalition, I think we're going to get our Gears of War 6 teaser there. 
for sure because it's been some time now uh five came out before COVID happened i guess that makes sense yeah so i think we'll get a gears of war 6 at least a teaser uh compulsion games this has been a mystery so james the entire time they bought them they haven't come out with anything these are the guys that did we happy few yeah i literally tried to oh right those guys so i think they'll show off their new game there and it's some new ip and they'll announce it for 2023 my guess okay uh double fine a new game post psychonauts 2 they could announce and whatever new game they're working on that's after psychonauts uh the initiative maybe they'll show off something from perfect dark i maybe they i could do don't like know. a they could do like a i don't know about gameplay yet because that game sounds like it's having some trouble but they could maybe do like they already have a trailer though it just didn't show off much so uh, i don't know if they want to do like another trailer yeah uh and then uh in exile i don't know what they're actually working on right now for if you don't know, they were doing uh, the Bard's Tale games and Wasteland. They did uh, Wasteland yeah. 3 and Bard's Tale 4. So I don't know what they're working on next for that one. I actually, um, I feel like they may have talked about it, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, I, I have a feeling, James, honestly, I feel like they're going to do it. They want to, because of this is like their first joint press conference. I think they want to show something from every studio, whether it's big or small. Like, I think they want every studio to be shown. Be like, hey, we have all these studios. Here's what each one is doing. Uh, I mean, of course, this isn't counting Activision Blizzard because that's not fully through yet. But um, I think they'll want to really make an example. Uh, Mo Young Studios, maybe there's a Minecraft update. I don't fucking know. Um, or something with Minecraft Dungeons. Yeah, I don't know if they'd bother with that. I mean, may- yeah, maybe if they have like a Minecraft Dungeons thing. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is an easy one. Ninja Theory, Hellblade 2, Sinuous Saga. Oh, yeah. I think they'll give us the release date and more footage of gameplay. I think they'll give us gameplay. I don't even know if they need to do more gameplay because they they did like a pretty extensive trailer last time or a demo last time. But I mean, I think they need this. But like a date would be nice. Yeah. The the release date is kind of I feel like that's like their next big game, really. Uh, Obsidian. Uh, Disavowed. Avowed. Avowed. Right. Yeah. We'll hopefully see now a actual trailer with gameplay of Avowed. Maybe a release window. Um, And... I don't think they'll... They could do another game because they did announce Outer Worlds 2, but I don't know if they'll actually talk about that. Um, but we'll at least, hopefully... I'm, I'm more... Like, I'm fine not seeing anything for Outer Worlds 2. I actually still have to play the first one. But just show me some about because that's actually probably of all of the Microsoft games coming for Xbox. And I mean, just uh, Xbox, Microsoft games, about is probably the one I'm most interested in. So I really want to see that. Uh, Playground games, Fable. I think, yeah, we got to yeah. see Fable. Uh, I don't think we'll see Forza, Hori- uh, Forza Horizon 6. I think it'll be Fable and a maybe Forza Horizon 5 update, but definitely Fable. It has to, we have to see Fable. Yeah. Uh, Rare has, what was that? You remember that game they announced way back? Not Sea of Thieves? <laughs> After Sea of Thieves. It's, oh, um, oh, you're right. They did a... Uh... Well, also not the Everwild game. Everwild. That's the oh, one. right. They th- that's the game they've been working on, but they haven't talked about. They remember they recently came out. The last thing they came out with was Battletoads. Um, but yeah, I think Everwild is that game. They'll they'll show that and maybe a Sea of Thieves update. I'm guessing. Uh, turn ten. I feel like it's almost guaranteed we're gonna see Forza Motorsport Eight there because that's literally a Forza studio. 
So I think we'll see the new motorsport game because, you know, they always alternate between motorsport and horizon. It's like, oh, here's the track game. Here's the like setting game and stuff like that. So we're on track for a track. <laughs> I got it. You guys like that. Undead Labs. Um, did they come out with State of Decay 3 yet? No. Okay. So the, I think the last we saw was like a trailer that showed like zombie animals. Yeah. So we'll get State of Decay 3. Uh, and then Bethesda Game Studios, Starfield. We'll see Starfield. They'll do a, they'll probably do like a Fallout 4 scale thing where remember like they saved everything for Fallout 4 and they'll, they're like, oh, coming this fall. We already know it's November 11th, I think, or November 22nd, isn't it? Yeah. It's like 20, it's 2 22 I think. I think they went for the gimmick date. Oh, uh, ooh. I want to say. But if it, if sure they mentioned November. it, it's been a while ago. It's so. either the 11th or 22nd. I'm pretty sure. But we'll see Starfield. I doubt Elder Scrolls 6. That would literally make no sense. Oh, no. I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't nah, imagine. It, they should honestly act like they never talked about that game and just wait till it needs to be talked about in like five years. Uh, Alpha Dog Games. I forgot who that is. Uh... Cinemax yeah. Online is the Elder Scrolls Online guys. Uh, they are pretty much probably still doing another expansion. They might show that. I think Alpha Dog is a mobile game studio. I'm pretty sure. So they might do like a mobile game of something. And then uh, Tango Gameworks is the guys that just did Tokyo uh, Ghostwire. Or yeah, Tokyo Ghost. And before that, they did the Evil, uh, Evil Within games. So I'm imagining they're working on another horror game. They'll either announce a release date for uh tokyo ghost for xbox being like oh it comes out in a year on xbox or they'll show a new ip that they've been probably working on which i assume they have uh id do you think they're working on a new doom or no no i bet they're you know what you know what i think id's working on quake i think we're gonna see a quake teaser for id uh i could see that yeah yeah i don't know if they'd bother with like rage three no no because i don't think anyone really like the first one didn't land they didn't very even well do rage just... two they did rage one and then avalanche did rage two. Oh, you're right yeah they didn't want to do I it about that <laughs> I, I, maybe they did want to do it but i don't know they didn't even yeah so that's not happening <laughs> yeah uh arcane i feel like like i said just with like uh tango uh they might show a release date for death loop on xbox maybe um i'm pretty sure those were both timed exclusive i don't think they were like fully exclusive so you'll see that and then whatever they might be working on too. Oh no, they're working on the fucking vampire game. The that like Oh. Um yeah, that multiplayer vampire thing that they were doing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I oh I'm totally blanking on what it's called though. Uh you wanna look it up while I keep going? Uh Machine Games, uh, I think is the last one. They're doing, you know, Indiana Jones. I don't know if we'll see that or Wolfenstein 3, though. Like, what What do you think would come first? Wolfenstein 3 or Indiana Jones? That's, I feel like that's kind of hard to... Uh, I, I have, like, no idea how far along the Indiana Jones game could be. I feel like that was an announcement that they just got the deal to work on it. Or, like, they've been working on it for maybe a year or so. I almost want to say that there it's, it's going to be Wolfenstein 3 first, but... It, that's like the only one I'm not too sure about. I want to. I'm gonna go with Wolfenstein three first, and then Indiana Jones. But Red I wouldn't Fall. be shocked. I I, read, I knew okay. it was like a color, but like I couldn't. I couldn't remember. I'm more of a Daggerfall guy myself, but you know mm. that's just me. Uh, uh, but yeah, and then Roundhouse Studios. I think another mobile game studio. I'm not too sure, but yeah, that's all the 
Microsoft, Microsoft, Bethesda, Microsoft uh, <laughs> uh, studios. So I think like, you know, those are predictions to see what's coming for those. And I, I really do think they're going to try to do a thing where they're like every single studio is going to say at least what they're working on and others will show more than, you know, some will show more than others, but they're going to be like, hey, we're working on shit. We bought all these studios. We have all these things happening. All these are coming to Game Pass. We have a full lineup coming. Boom. Check it out. Drop mic. Yeah. No, it definitely would be a great way for them to combat the whole like Xbox doesn't have games to, to literally be like, look at all the studios we got and how many games are all. Look at all the on. games we bought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really think this will be this could be the mic drop press event, the, the mic drop event for them. They haven't yeah. had in a while. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but that's that. Uh, sorry, I went a little long there, but I really wanted to just, I thought about it and I'm like, you know what, we could just do this now because we're going to get closer to it as it comes. But, you know, when we get to it, um, I'm sure other things will be announced too for other like conferences and we could talk about those as they come, but, you know, knock them out as they come instead of saving it all for one giant thing and dying. So into the movies we watched, our feature presentation, we watched The Northman directed by Robert Eggers and... Robert Eggers, you know, he did The Witch and he did The Lighthouse, both which of which... I missed, I missed The Witch, but I really enjoyed The Lighthouse. I've seen both, and The Witch is very, like, it's also got Anya Taylor-Joy and some other people. Oh, and yeah, huh. It's like a kind of self-fulfilling thing when you watch it. I don't want to spoil it, but it's, it's pretty fucking good. Like, I will say, so right off the bat, I'll say Northman is probably my number three movie of the year so far. It's right under everything everywhere all at once and the batman is still my number one because i fucking love batman this is the best comic book film to me and this movie just reminds me for like robert eggers the guy's name i feel like is now a name to me that if they say oh robert eggers made this movie i'll go oh i'll see it well what's it about i don't care i'll just go watch it robert eggers did it i kind of trust what he does at this point he's made some interesting shit at least yeah and you know, I said, like, it's not even my favorite movie of the year so far. It's number three, and it's not going to be movie of the year. The other two movies he's done, not movie of the year either. But they are all three high-quality films that somehow just feel... They don't feel Hollywood. They feel like it's a guy who got his budget for his movies and said, I'm going to make these projects that I really want to make because I love them. And I just want to make something very just like, here's all the quality and hard work I put into this. Here's all the research I did. Here's like all the shit I wanted to do about it. And it feels just like, I don't know. It feels just like a fun experience I just watched. That It's also just like more memorable. I mean, like, I don't know. The first movie that pops to mind of like the example of a pure Hollywood movie is like Free Guy. Like, and that, that was a fun movie. But I That's a remember, yeah, I remember almost nothing about it. But like, there's like almost all of the Northman is still like stuck in my head, at least for now. And like, can, same with uh, the Lighthouse. Like, there are a lot of scenes in that that are just like burned into my brain because it's so, just so visually interesting and memorable. Same with the Witch, and I have watched that. I can't remember when I watched that. It's been a while, and it's been multiple years, and I can remember everything to just like fucking black philip when you find out who black philip is you're like oh fuck but like it each one just feels memorable and like i'm just like yeah it was art like that's how i feel like it, it's that good and 
you I don't know. Okay, so I don't really know the full backgrounds of Lighthouse and the Witch, so I don't really know too much how all that came to be. But for the Northmen, the dude wanted to make an authentic, like Norse Scandinavian story that takes from like a tale that I believe exists in North North uh, mythology, but like he put everything in from like the language the style the writing like even has it like when the movie changes from like setting to setting it'll literally like have the full like the The ruins the the ruins and then say what it says under there and he wanted to pay attention to like how the religion was how the mythology was and just to make it as real feeling and authentic feeling as possible of like oh these dudes are down on all fours acting like dogs or wolves uh, because they aren't ready to become human again. So right now they're in their beast form. Where it was straight up. These guys straight up said hey I need you to do. Um, I need you to do like. What would you call it James? Like uh, uh, not D&D. But I need you to role play. <laughs> and go yeah. kill these people. And then once you kill all these people. You can stop role playing. <laughs> yeah I guess that's one way to put it. Yeah like. One, at one point. There is. A bunch of Vikings that are going to go take out a Rus uh, village. And Rus at that point are like uh, Prussian. They're like a mix between German and like borderline Eastern Europeans and stuff. Uh, almost Russian and stuff. So it's like that whole area. And you can definitely feel the Germanic like Eastern Prussian type stuff because they have like the holly, the the juniper berries, I believe. Like the those yeah. like, uh, stuff. And I... Uh, the specifics of those guys were they were berserkers. They're like the the special forces Vikings that are like, oh yo, uh, before we go fight and take this village tomorrow, let's do a fun ritual where we act like we just all turned into wolves and we just yeah. kind of run around in our underwear with axes and stuff. They're basically and- just like, hey, let all your rage loose and just murder everyone. You, you no longer it. know speech. You're just like, yeah, you're, you're fucking animals. And they go, they attack. They literally clamp, they climb up like the wooden, uh, when they build like the, I want to say that, were they walls technically? Oh, they were walls. Yeah. yeah. So they climb like the wooden walls and they're just like fucking axing through it, get up, and they just start tearing everyone apart. Like, uh, uh Alexander Skarsgård's character, um, what was his name? Um, he had like a couple names, but I, I keep, I, I never really got either of them stuck in my head, unfortunately. I'll take a I look at it. But it yeah, he at one point literally just bites a dude's neck open, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And just <laughs> like fucking murders him. And you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I think it was Hamith, I want to say. I think that was the name of the character. Hang on. I, I got it right here. Amleth with an Amleth. A. I knew it started Amleth, with an A. Yeah. I still love his IMDb picture where he's. He's got a tux on the top half and then his underwear on the... He's not even wearing pants. <laughs> I forgot but, he was Tarzan. <laughs> I didn't watch that. I, I heard it was bad. Yeah. But, you know, Alexander Skarsgård is a fantastic actor. Like, he's really fucking fun. I, I did, like, the last thing I saw him in was Godzilla vs. Kong. And that, that, bra- that movie was brain oh, dead. Oh, shit, right. I but forgot about that. <laughs> he... I think the most poetic thing about him doing this role, like you could tell him and his family, the Skarsgards. I mean, look at the last name, Skarsgard. They are they are literally like Scandinavian is all hell. Like they, mm-hmm. they scream Scandinavian. And you see his height, he's fucking tall, like all that shit. You even see like 
him as a Viking next to other Vikings. He's just this giant. He's huge. The only guy bigger is the fucking mountain from Game of Thrones that's in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious when you see that it's him and you're just like, oh, he hey. He's huge. <laughs> uh, but one funny thing about this is, you know, he's a, it, this is a Viking movie. He's a Viking. And if you ever watch True Blood, he plays a guy named Eric Northman. Yeah. The movie is called The Northman. <laughs> and Eric Northman is a Viking vampire. And I'm just like, who, like, how, how poetic a, is a this? A new cinematic shit? universe. Yeah. It's and, all connected. You know, of course, spoilers for this and unbearable weight of massive talent. But, you know, at the end, he dies and it's implied he goes to Valhalla and stuff. But. When he's dying, I'm almost just like, yo, and then Godric came, he bit him, and then he was like, hey, you're a vampire now, and they went off to do their shit. Like, Yeah, I could absolutely see that. Right? Sure. It's just, it just feels so fucking... And then he's like, hey, what's your last name? You need a last name now, Amleth. And he's like, well, I'll just go by Eric now. And uh, yeah, my wife called me, the, or the woman that bears my children called me the Northman. So, boom, Eric Northman. It's easy as that. I don't know, I just I, I just thought that was funny. But the tone of this film, it, it just hits right where you feel like it is a Norse tale. There's stuff that Very feels... Very heavy. And what feels like realistic and then doesn't feel like... It feels like the tale because at one point there's the 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 draugr the the yeah the no that's a, guy that's one thing i loved was like the ambiguity of like how much is truly supernatural and how much of it is just like them fantasizing these tales in their head or whatever because yeah. yeah he has a whole fight with the uh i don't know the dead king or whatever for his sword and after the fight it like kind of camera pans over and there he's still standing in front of the corpse just like sitting on the the throne and he just takes the sword and the body crumbles so it's like did that fight really happen just like outside of his body and it was like a test and that's why he was allowed to take the sword away or did he just like imagine all that just because like you know what if this happens and then it didn't like i i like that kind of stuff that gives you the opportunity to like debate over like what was real what was not like that's, that's a lot of fun for movies I think the main two things of like the implications are probably either one, he imagined it and he was just like, that, that felt like an internal test for him or two, yeah. it's one of those things where you do something and you come out and you make it a tall tale about yourself where you're just like, Hey, I saw this. And it's also like, that, and that's yeah. how, you know, that's how legends start. That's how mythology can also start and things like that. Like I, I can definitely see that being the whole thing of it. Uh, the others being, you know, the tw- the two times, I guess they show the Valkyrie with Valhalla um and that's what they feel like is going to happen or they feel like is happening uh that they imagine um which i thought was very interesting especially when they show the valkyrie her teeth really throw at first i thought yeah it looks like she's wearing braces but i think there's like just runes like etched into her teeth it's she literally has runes which is insane (laughs) i mean i loved the uh the look of that valkyrie like I, i don't know of all the things in Norse mythology, the Valkyries are such a cool subject for me. Just like these spiritual battle maidens with like flying horses. And like literally there were no male Valkyries. They were all female specifically. I just thought, I, I always thought that was like a really cool thing that the Norse would even like do that way back in the day. <laughs> oh yeah. And it doesn't really say who plays it. Anita Slizuit. 
she doesn't even show an IMDb picture for mm-hmm. who she is. But uh, one character, I mean, one actress I just cracked up that was in this was Bjork. Or not yeah. an actress, but Bjork is in it, and she's the Cirrus. Um, oh, that's who she was. Yeah. So I thought that was really fucking funny. I was like, oh, hey, it's, it's like, because you see... When the when you see the trailers for this, you see Bjork's name show up, and you're just like, "Who the fuck is Bjork playing?" And then when you see this scene, you're like, oh, "It's Bjork! Oh shit, there <laughs> she is!" Okay, uh, but it, it definitely felt slightly Shakespearean a bit with this type of thing, where it's like, "Oh, you know, the the guy comes in, kills your dad, takes your mom as his wife, oh, is there a, and we get uh, revenge." Lion King. Yeah. And then it turns out your mom actually made Scar kill Mufasa, and she's either it's definitely evil more or cracked in the head. Yeah, which you know the relationship between him and his mother, or at least like seeing her, it was hard to really comprehend. I don't want to say it was hard to comprehend, but it was hard to like grasp what her actual intentions I think she just were. Wanted power. It seemed like it, but also you know at the end she's just like yo thank you when he kills her well because he gave her like a quick death and didn't like draw it out or whatever okay but you know yeah she literally was like you hit me in the heart thank you because like that's literally one of the quickest ways to go but queen gudrun 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 i don't know it's like hard to with the accents for scandinavian i can't fucking tell how the names are supposed to be pronounced but because the whole time I just heard her name was Save You Mother. So it was hard to oh, yeah. just like Ethan Hawke's name was Avenge You Father. Um, and Fjolnir's name was Kill Fjolnir. Uh, but the whole, I guess, like the tone always felt fucking legendary. Like it always felt like there was some crazy shit happening. And the way the cinematography really picks it up is just like, you know, it's in your face. Uh, there always is a feeling of like fantasy in it a little bit yeah. when they show like the Valkyries and stuff. So it does feel a little unreal, especially when it shows things at night. Even things that felt real felt almost like from a tale because like he turns around and he sees like, they, you know, they're talking about, oh, the fucking uh, fox killed the hen again. And he looks and it sees the, the like the CG fox and the fox looks at him and you're like, yeah, why does this feel like it's not real? And I mean, I guess yeah, because it's a fucking well, yeah, and even like Fox, later but. on when he's like strung up by his uncle or whatever, and a bunch of crows come out of nowhere, or ravens come out of nowhere, and just like free him, and it's just like, did did that just happen by chance? Because the birds kind of looked like they were trying to eat him. They're, yeah, they're they just also, like, "Yo, like, we hungry." But what could it also have been his father, like who literally was named like Ravens something or whatever? He was the Raven King. Yeah, like yeah. could that have had something to do with that? Like, and that, again, that just goes back to the whole ambiguity of what is truly supernatural and what is just like a tall tale or whatever. Yeah, and you know, at one point I think they show Odin uh when they show like the ra- the all the crows or ravens at one point yeah. they like show like a hooded guy and it's like oh it's oh, it's supposed to it's it's implied it's odin because he's like the the guy that owns he, he commands ravens and even though especially if you play the god of war game uh you know odin <laughs> commands the ravens yeah. uh but the whole time like you see the ravens you see the fox especially when they're howling together when the dogs are fucking losing their minds and attacking 
and you're like, oh, they, they drugged the dogs. I'm pretty sure, right? They drugged the dogs first. They probably all ate from like the same area. I, s- I thought so. Yeah. Like I couldn't tell, like, because it, it would make no sense for him to just be like howling and the dogs like lose their shit. Yeah. So you know, they yeah, the dogs are the first to go, and then like they drug the people. I love how she's just like, oh, here's the mushrooms, and yeah, the do it's you know when you first think about it, you're just like what did they do to fuck them up so much? And it's like, oh, these dudes are just high on shrooms. Like, this is their equivalent of LSD. So they don't know how to fucking handle it. And you literally see some of the soldiers just stabbing themselves repeatedly. And they're just killing themselves. And it's insane. And it's just like, yo, oh my God, there's crazy... It's one of those things where watching this reminded me of how potentially, like, certain things of mythology come to be when they're talking about things and how things unfold and how like a high priest of whatever mythological religion uh, says something will happen, how it probably could happen because it's like, oh, the gods are angry. They're, you know, they're, uh, they're destroying our men. It's like, really? It's like, nah, dude, this person just put everyone high on shrooms and snuck it into their meals. So they're just fucking like, they're just, <laughs> they're just so fucking high right now. And it's just yeah. like, Oh, so it's not the work of the gods, but now you can, it, it's one of those things where you never really see that in a film or anything else. You never like kind of think about like how a myth is formed until you see something like this. And that's how they probably pulled it off in certain cases throughout history was something along the lines of this, or, you know, maybe someone knew about the Aurora Borealis before and was like, the gods will make the sky glow rainbow bullshit and everyone's like no well and they see it and they're like oh fuck and he's like i knew it comes twice yeah. a year and today was the day <laughs> and i used it to my advantage like all that kind of stuff um but it, it was interesting kind of seeing how that unfolded uh throughout like the whole time amleth is like yo i'm gonna terrorize the fuck out of these guys and just like destroy them um what I guess what was what what made you like this movie a lot? Like, what were the things that really like stuck out to you? The highlights. I mean, definitely the tone and and the uh, cinematography of it. Like, I I mean, I mentioned this already, but it's just it's so visually interesting that you can't help but have parts get stuck in your head. Like you mentioned the uh, the seer lady. Like, yeah, that scene is like visually so interesting because like she's like missing her eyes and like the headdress she's wearing is so doesn't interesting. she even say like oh your brothers like destroyed like they took out my eyes because of who i am yeah and but i can like, still see you yeah and he's like they're not my brothers <laughs> yeah and like i mean definitely the brutality of just like seeing what a viking was like capable of because they just lived and breathed battle like yeah that the whole like uh siege like once like that you see when he's like an adult and he just like just decimates a bunch of people that was entertaining to watch but like also the music like that the music really stuck with me dude the music was insanely good it's it's like actually i want to it does it definitely feels like music you could probably listen to when you're working out or running like because it's just so like blood pumping viking we're gonna go fucking slaughter shit and it's like epic it is epic it's an epic score like i use that in a term of like a you know like a war epic or something like that like that's that's the tone this music really hits when it comes out and fuck it was good like god damn yeah so like even though the 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 basic plot was like pretty generic like we've seen you know revenge tales before it just was told so well and like so 
visually interesting that you know it'll stick with me for a while yeah and willem dafoe oh yeah willem dafoe willem dafoe he he was in like one and a half scenes (laughs) yeah alive and dead holy shit but they do such a good job with him where it's just the once again we talked about it in spider-man how like probably the best character in the movie was Green, green goblin but like his facial expression the, the power he has with facial expressions is second to none. And it's oh, yeah. just insane how he does that. And then he pulls out his fucking cock at one point in the beginning. He's like, you know. And you know what's funny about that? When he's talking during that whole time, he heavily implies like, oh, I know what the wife is up to. But he says it in That's jest. That's true. He really does. He's like, oh, oh you know, I someone's didn't coming think of that to... at the time. And that's why fucking Fjolner was so angry with him. Like, yo, you shouldn't talk like that because I'm about to... That's my future wife after I kill my brother, you know? And yeah. the whole thing, you could definitely feel like because he said that and because he knew. And it's like he knew, so he heard and he could see and hear it. And he said it were probably the reasons why when uh, his bro- when he killed his brother and he took over the kingdom, he was like, yo, I'm going to cut out his ears, tongue, and eyes. Because it's like, yo, this guy, like this motherfucker... And you almost feel like when, you know, because um, uh, Ethan Hawke's character, I forget what the king's name, the Raven King, you know, he's like, he may say, he says in jest, but he is my most trusted friend. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, shit. So do you think he would have told him after they come out of that, like, thing? Do you think he would have, like, been like, hey, yo, your brother is fucking your wife. And, uh, you know, they might try to do something. So just a heads up there. It's definitely you, possible. Yeah. But I, I feel like that's something a lot of people will miss when he, you know, he first says that you don't really think about it. And then you're like, wait a minute, what the fuck? How do you know that? Like, goddamn. Uh, but otherwise, the, the movie, it's just, it was so fucking interesting. And it also reminded me, I'm like, wow, this shit's crazy. Vikings are like really something else. They're really, you know, there's a type of cool, I guess, that they are. But I'm also like, yo... These, this lifestyle is not for me, dog. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, per- I'm going to go do some Persian shit over there. Have fun with your Viking shit. Fucking taking slaves and stuff. How I ain't into that. But it, it was an interesting reminder of like, oh, yeah, the, the Viking lifestyle is very brutal. Very, very brutal to themselves, to each other, and to their enemies. Uh, and I would not wish that upon most people. So No, that, like that's the thing. It's, like, it, it's cool to watch, but at the same time, it's like, Oh yeah, the slaves thing. Like they just constantly took slaves, and they like. I mean, it's uh, like that's uh, in Game of Thrones. The influence of the Greyjoys was the Iron Islands is supposed to be Vikings, and yeah. they do the same thing. They raid the coast. They take salt wives, as they say, and stuff, and like men for indentured servitude, I guess. So that's a thing. Yeah, but then like in the Northmen, they also took all the villagers that they didn't want to take as slaves, and just like put them in a in a building and burn them down like well they did, it was all the children yeah the women and children it was like what the fuck because <laughs> the whole thing uh I, I was saying this yesterday and i i you know no no offense to scandinavian heritage no offense i mean no offense but it definitely felt like i was watching like an animal dinosaur documentary of like yo when the when the male comes he kills like the the, the children of the female and they they mate and like you know he because he needs to get rid of the competition and then he mates with the female and makes new ones for his own and stuff and it's like kind of like that and the same thing with like yo well we don't need kids we don't need to like have all this trouble and extra mouths to feed they won't help us now and they're not good for the long run 
kill the kids. Yeah. And we just, yeah, it's it just fucked up. Um, but it was also interesting seeing, like, because I guess they... I don't know if the rooster is supposed to be Christian or not at this point, but, you know, they, they're very, like, druid, earthy-like, and you could see, like, it, I think it was pretty much Christmas or something similar. At a certain point, they celebrate a holiday, and it's, like, Yuletide style, where it's, like, you know, the, the juliper crown that you'd see, like, oh, I didn't think of sometimes. That. Yeah. So it's, like, you see kind of, like, that origin of pagan holidays that Christians adopt because they want to make more people Christian, but they didn't want to have the trouble of like destroying their religion. So they're like, you know, we'll just adopt this part of the pagan shit into Christianity and just say, you know, it's, it was there the whole time. But here, here, let me give me the juleper berries. It's fine. Just put, put them on. Um, but yeah, because the whole thing with Christmas, it, originally a lot of that stuff is very pagan. Um, and they just kind of combined all the pagan shit with Jesus and then they just put it together. And now you give presents to people and Santa goes on a, a fucking sleigh. But that's how that all originated. Um, which is very interesting, to say the least. Uh, final thoughts, though. It really speaks a lot because it, it feels like a great tale. It feels like a great story that's being told. It gives you everything to watch and listen for. Like, you're hearing the dopest music. All the sound design in it is really fucking good. Everything from just the weapon, uh, every time you hear a weapon or just any type of combat whether it's someone eating someone or some shit like yeah. it is very audible and it is very there i watched this the first time in dolby atmos and i was losing my fucking mind how good it was uh to the point where i was actually like you know what i treasure i'd rather actually watch movies in dolby atmos in, in like an atmos a dolby uh digital theater than imax because it's just that much better of an experience i think um but yeah, it's just god it's so fucking good cinematography music the story the characters alexander skarsgård is just fun to watch like i'll say i think my favorite part practically was remember that dude that he cuts off part of his nose yeah remember how he's like he's the one that's like when they give him all the sticks and they're like oh you're gonna die tonight and once he starts getting high he looks at uh amleth and amleth is just smiling he's like like, the, he starts just forming a really evil smile. And that's when, like, all the fucking, like, they all yeah. start tripping. Dude, that was... God, it's so fucking good. It, it was amazing. And, yeah, Iceland is... I want to go to Iceland now. I, I, gotta, I mean, I already want to go to Iceland, but now I definitely want to go to Iceland. You know? I love how they're just like, this is a barren rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll never li- You'll never survive if you leave. And uh, also, you know, I, I feel like we didn't talk about it, but Anya Taylor-Joy was fantastic in this. Oh, she was also God, really yeah. good, too um i I honestly like because everything i've watched her and i've enjoyed like more or less like whether it's her character she plays whether it's the witch i liked her as magic and new mutants i like i really hope if disney does x-men shit they could bring her back as magic because i think that would really fucking work and uh yeah her her as a a ruse witch type character which dude did you not notice when all right he jumps off the ship to go uh finish everything off and she's like she just starts talking to like I guess like the Earth Goddess of Wind or whatever, and is like, "Hey, hasten the sails." Yeah, she literally filled the sails with wind to like get away as fast as possible. But if, when she's doing that, all of the sa- all the Viking sailors are literally like hugging the edges of the ship, <laughs> like, "Oh fuck, she's talking 
and talking to the sky. Oh, I didn't notice that. And no. yeah, if you look at the guy that was in charge that like holds her back when like uh, Hamleth is jumping off the ship after he lets her go and she starts doing that, he's literally like this. Like his arms are fucking like, oh fuck. Like, <laughs> I hope we don't die. <laughs> Which, you know, it just shows how superstitious everyone was back then too. Not to mean it yeah. didn't help having all those two guys cut up into like a fucking art exhibit of like just pieces of flesh on the wall that was great though yeah that was definitely super cool like just seeing what he did to try to sell the story of like it's not just a person doing this it's like a demon monster thing that design honestly that made me realize i'm like yo did did, did a george Rart, uh, railroad martin get that from from that stuff for the white walker designs you know when they do that with the flesh uh huh I think he probably pulled from that too, so that was, I could see that that. was interesting. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, that was the Northman. Anything else, or good to move no, on? No, I think we uh, covered it pretty good. All right, yeah. So the other movie we saw was the unbearable weight of massive talent, starring Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage, and Dude, we. Jesus a movie Christ. has not made me laugh this loud it like for a long time. Like, I honestly got worried because we were in the Alamo and I was like, oh, no, shit, I'm being way too loud. No, everyone was fucking dying. Everyone was, some people uh, were just like, oh, fuck. Like, it was, everyone was in the same wavelength, I feel like. Dude, that movie. Dude, they got me so hard with the Paddington 2 thing. It was just like, well, Paddington 2 is your se- like your third favorite movie of all time next to, like, The Cabinet of Caligari. And it's just like, it made me cry the whole time and I, it made me want to be a better person. And he shows it to Nick Cage. I love that cut where it like goes to like him obviously showing Nick the movie and Nick Cage is like crying. He's just like, holy shit, this movie is amazing. I think the, <laughs> so good. The, the trailers did throw me off a bit because uh, the way it implies almost was like, hey, you're going to this dude's birthday party. And then I thought it would be like a whole like, oh, we're being it's like a hostage situation where uh, cartel t- cartel guys or someone uh, take control of it and then you see like the whole wall scene where he's trying to jump over the wall yeah and I thought it was from that and I'm like oh okay and it like the trailer definitely tricked me and I'm like okay it's not this at all it's literally two guys just bromancing and trying to make a movie script apparently and it really th- this movie really fucks with you because all right you have Nicolas Cage and then you have his inner ego of nicholas cage yeah, johnny johnny kate oh my god that was just long hair it was like emo like leather jacket i i can't even i love that he literally like beat the shit out of him a couple times and he's like yo come in for a kiss and he fucking makes out with himself which just kind of shows his inner y'all tell everyone that nick cage smooch is good it's it's just so funny. It's just like, hey, these are all your internal issues that you're having, and your ego is so large that you have no time for your family or anything else, or you don't you don't put time into your family or uh, love or anything like that. And it's just so funny, just seeing like, well, you know, what's that like? And then you see him have his fucking imaginary version of himself, and it's like, oh, that's literally what they mean. Like, oh, that's what's happening in his head. Is this yeah. is what is keeping him from everything? Is this version of himself? And you're like. I couldn't like you can't make that up like it's it's insane that they pulled that off and we're like yeah this is how Nicolas Cage's mind works um but the whole like you know you go to Spain and it's funny because you got like Tiffany Haddish as a CIA agent which I thought was really funny 
uh, because you're just like, I feel like that's the most serious role I've ever seen her in. When you think really? about it, I don't, uh, I don't know. Can you? I don't like. She's well, the only a, other thing I can think of that I've seen her in is like the after party. But you mentioned another thing last night that I was just like, oh, "Girls' wait. Night," which is also a comedy. Well, the uh, whole thing is uh, Tiffany Haddish is a comedian. Mm. Uh, she does like comedy stuff and also will be in comedy films and usually. And she was even in an episode of Shark Week, and it was supposed it was she made it try to be hella funny too. Uh, so seeing her here, where she's a like semi-serious CIA agent. Along with um, who is the other CIA agent played by? I've seen that guy before in a lot it's, of stuff. Uh, Ike Barinhold, who also Iker. was in uh, the After Party. Uh, okay, that's what it, I don't know. I look at him and I'm just like, yo, it's like it's. Uh, I really hate saying it, but I look at him and I'm just like, oh, it's like cheaper Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I just recognize him from uh, Mad TV most of the time because he used no, to be on sense. that. I for, I always forget him at Mad TV, but uh, you know they do a good job. They're pretty funny and. Pedro Pascal was fun. Like Dude, that guy was so funny. It's funny, you know, looking at it because we have this guy that's played Oberyn Martell, literal cool guy extraordinary. He played uh, what's it, Agent the Mandalorian? Wis- <laughs> yeah, he plays Mandalorian, of course, iconic. He plays uh, Agent Tequila in Kingsman Two, uh, which is like you know, good guy sort of bad kind of you can find out later and everything else um he's gonna be joel in the last of us oh yeah you're right and uh yeah it's just like oh hey he's in all of these and then you see this and you're like it's pretty funny it's it's just funny seeing him in such a this is his silliest role i feel like i've ever seen him in where he's just like having a good time yeah uh, for sure being like just a happy-go-lucky guy for the most part or just being like, hey, we need to be creative. Let's have some LSD. And that fucking... That, dude, that whole scene was so fucking that funny. That scene where they turn and look at each other and he's driving. And I'm like, why are you driving on LSD? Why aren't you wa- <laughs> you're watching? Oh, my God. Like, I was actually like, dude, that's not... You can't dude, do... I started losing it when they were like... They start talking about the movie they want to write. And they are literally describing the movie that you're watching right that second. And it's just like, what if we have like... A drug scene. Oh yeah, there's like a, a paranoid chase or something. It's like yeah, like like those guys have been following us. Wait, have those guys been following us? They just like they literally freak themselves out and that's why they have the whole thing where they gotta run and get over the wall. And the best part too is literally they're just so fucked up on LSD that like the guys actually do look at them a couple times, but they're just like, Why are these guys looking at us? This is alright, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, he does the fucking laugh and everything, and you're just like He's like, be casual. Yeah, be casual. And the best part is, like, they still, after doing all that shit, those two guys kind of just moved to another spot and were just still talking and sitting down. But they're just like, oh, shit, they're here again. It's like, oh, shit, it's those guys. God, that uh, was so ridiculous. Um, I, I did love that it, it straight up, they just have a fun time of just listing Nicolas Cage movies where they're like, I mean, yeah. there was heavy input. They were like Face Off and Con Air were probably the biggest two they kept showing. But like, you know, you go to into his crazy Nicolas Cage cave. There's besides the statue of him with the two guns. Uh, you see yeah, the National that. Treasure like, poster. How in much the background. did you spend on this like monstrosity? As I spent about six thousand dollars on it. Like, I'll give you I'll twenty thousand. <laughs> it's uh, not for sale. Uh, 
god but yeah the fucking national treasure poster behind them i was like fuck and i cracked up because you know oh, they- yeah, it's like uh it's like oh god what was it when they were trying to decide who would run back to the jeep it's just like you you do it you're much faster than me if it didn't pour shoes like i saw how fast you were in national treasures like well that was the stunt department it's like not according to the uh special features dvds like shit fine <laughs> yeah that, dude that was so good just the, the uh, fact of his infatuation that he knew like all of that shit um uh, yeah. and then uh the i guess showing how like how new it's supposed to be is like oh here's the chainsaw for mandy and i'm like didn't that just come out yeah that was like last year or something like that maybe two years ago yeah, I mean, I, I have to watch. There's so much Nick Cage stuff in behind. Like, I haven't. I guess like the more recent stuff was it Pig, Mandy, and Color Color, Color Out of space. space. Yeah, yeah. I have to. I have to watch all of those, and I want to rewatch Wicker Man. I feel like this this movie did something to me. This movie was like there. There's certain like directors and actors where I'm like, yo, I want to go down their whole filmography. Nicholas Cage made it where he just had to do a movie about himself to make me go like, yo, I need to do this guy's entire filmography dude the cherry on top of everything was just like the the very end when like his daughter throws the knife at him and i thought for sure she was just gonna like hit him with it or, or whatever and it was just gonna be like a, a quick joke and then like he catches the knife kills the like the uh gun runner guy like with it and then it go it like the camera pans back to like his wife and daughter and it's like not them but it's like it's still supposed to be them and it's just like you're immediately in the movie Isn't it, they Demi were Moore? it was like Demi Moore and like I don't know I didn't recognize who played his daughter but it's just like yeah like that they literally made the movie that they were planning the entire time and they just like to end the movie you're currently watching they just like very quickly a transition to everyone watching that movie in a the theater god they're so fucking funny Except it was still Nick Cage playing himself in that movie, too. Anna McDonald plays the Addie actress that's mm. with Demi Moore. Which, alright, this movie is ultra meta. Because, alright, one, you have Nick Cage playing himself. But two, I want you to think about this. Alright, so Nick Cage, I'm, I'm assuming, has a real daughter, right? Yeah. He has to? Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I want to look this up. But, alright, he ha- in the movie, he has a daughter, Addie, and stuff. And I think, uh, what's, what's her name? Is, um... Uh, his wife, but because uh, his wife is played by, uh, it was Sharon Horgan plays Olivia, and Lily Moshin plays Addie Cage, and okay, let's say he has a real wife and daughter. He has a movie wife and daughter playing his real wife and daughter. Because what the shit? Okay, so he apparently, at least according to Google, he has two kids. Weston uh, Coppola Cage and Cal L Coppola Cage. They're both guys? I guess. He doesn't even have a daughter? I guess not, but he also named one of his kids Cal L. <laughs> I knew he was a Superman fan, but that's like. I mean, he wanted to be Superman in that movie. That's true. So he's like famously known for owning one of the best copies of like. I love how Action the other Comics kids... 1 or something like that. I love how his son's middle name is Coppola. Yeah. But okay, so you know he's real family, and it's supposed to be him playing himself in this, and you have, you know, actresses playing his mom and daughter or his wife and daughter. So imagine if he had a real wife and daughter, but in the movie he has act an actress actresses play his wife and daughter, and then at the end he has actresses playing the actresses playing yeah. the wife and daughter. Uh. 
And I'm just like, like, my mind's gonna fucking explode. I would have loved it if they actually did get his real family in there for the movie. I think that would have been fucking Oh, that would have been so funny. Because at first I saw, um, I guess, yeah, uh, what's her name? Lily Moshin. I saw her and I'm like, is that, because I, I don't know if I've seen her in anything else, but I saw her and I'm like, yo, is that actually Nicolas Cage's daughter? Like, is that actually like, did they get his actual family in the movie? And now I'm like, oh, okay, they didn't. It was just Nicolas no. Cage playing himself. But it's just, yeah, it's just fucking funny. And I, it, I really want to know how much of this was just Nicolas Cage being like, I would say this, I'm Nicolas Cage. And because, all right, he didn't write, the, the the writing team didn't include him uh he wasn't the director he was a producer on this movie but nothing more so i'm just like yo so how much involvement were you just like hey let's do this this and this i mean it, it's funny because you probably think about it and like when the team was writing i'm sure they talked to him because they're just like hey so all this stuff is about you what do you think because you're you, you could just say it. And he's like, oh yeah, all these movies and blah, blah. Let's just focus on Face Off. <sighs> I don't know. But easily, uh, number four movie of the year. Um, right after Northman, uh, at least for now. It's one of those things where I, I'm, at least so far this year, I've just been kind of keeping track of my top movies. And it's been really easy. Because... We're not even halfway done with the year so far, yeah. so it's easy kind of to place things as they come. Uh, but I think I only have a top four. I don't even have a top five movie yet, so... Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with, like... If... You know, do you think they would ever do other movies like this for other actors and actresses? Uh, I could see that. Um... Bill Murray plays Bill Murray. <laughs> I mean... Oh, wait, shit. they did that in Zombieland. I don't know. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He died. Uh, I don't know why I'm thinking, like, <laughs> Rob Schneider, just because he's also known for doing, like, a bunch of crazy, like, roles and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, Adam Sandler played, like, basically himself in Funny People, but that movie was horribly depressing. So, yeah. Uh, Eric Bana thought that Adam Sandler wasn't funny, so I went to go beat the shit out of him. Yeah. So, it, I could see this happening, but it's it's definitely like Nick Cage is, he has had such an interesting, notable career, and he's just like still making a bajillion movies all the time. Yeah. So. And to the point, like like I said, now I want to just go through them all, which is hard because I'm like, oh, I have all these yeah. other movies I have to watch and all this stuff, but I definitely now just some like... God, I it always I forget because you know I always hear like you hear these news stories about Nicolas Cage where he's like just used up all his money on a T Rex skull or some shit. Yeah. Like he he just acquires he which procures... turned out was stolen and he had to like return it. Oh yeah, that's right. Didn't he didn't get his money back? Did he? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, fuck, dude. Yeah, and that's probably why he was like, oh, I need to go do another movie. I feel like each crazy purchase he has is. Literally, each movie he does equals out to a crazy purchase. Like, you could look That's at a purchase he he's made. Superman comic. <laughs> I feel like each uh, each purchase he has, he'll be like, oh, I got that from the funding of this movie or, or something like that. Like, you can kind of associate a movie with a product he owns that is a, like, crazy thing that only he has or something like that. 
Right. And it's just it's just funny that it's just like this is a real person that's an actor, but you, you just like he's he's just special. <laughs> he's very special uh, in a good way, in a very good way. But um, yeah, that's all I got for it. Anything else from you? Nah, it's just it's a very fun movie, especially if you're like a huge fan of Nicolas Cage like I've been for a long time. Like I was losing my mind in the Alamo when they were playing uh, clips before the movie of just like his well-known freakouts in all his movies. So, uh, sorry, my dad just came in to ask me things, so I got totally distracted. Uh, it's just a very fun movie, especially if you're a fan of Nick Cage movies. Not for sure. Okay. Uh, last, I guess we got time. It's like 10 minutes before an hour and a half. Uh, I might quickly run through a movie really fast, a smaller okay. one. Uh, just to knock one or one thing off, but, uh, I watched a Netflix original movie a while ago, uh, called, I think it was like around my surgery time or a little bit after surgery, but it was called Imperial Dreams starring uh-huh. John Boyega. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this is before Force Awakens. So this oh, is really? in between, this is in between Attack the Block, that alien movie and Force Awakens. Yeah. He plays like this guy who I'm not going to look it up. I don't remember his name. It's like not that memorable, but he plays a guy who just gets out of prison. He would do, you know, some questionable things before that, which is how he ended up in there. Uh, but he lives in pretty much like a projects area of a city. It's very much like, you know, uh, potential uh, drug smuggling and some gang territory warfare and stuff like that. And this is in the U.S., of course, but he has, like, a son that's only, like, I forget how old he is. He's, like, six or something. He's very, very young. And he's anywhere between, like, four and six. I'm not too sure. But he has, like, a... He has a mom that's a... I guess... Alcoholic or, like, basically druggy. One of the two or both. And she's more or less been the one that's supposed to be watching the kid the whole time. Well, he's been in the him and him and his like his baby mama have been in like the both in prison and the baby mama. I forget who plays her, um, but she's also in prison, I think, for something she went in shortly before he got out. So like she was supporting him for the most part. But then she also got uh, arrested because I guess she would like they were getting on tougher times. So she got caught doing something to make money uh, for them or stole something. But uh, the interesting thing with the movie is the whole time he was in prison, he started becoming like very much like he, he wanted to escape all of it. He wanted to get out. He wanted to get a better life for his son. And he wanted to write. He wanted to become a writer. So he actually started like writing uh, a book or I think it was a book. He was writing a book and he gets into a point where you kind of see the American system at work where it's like, oh, it's a broken system. And these guys are kind of like fucked to the point where this is where like class inequality, uh, racial inequality occurs. And you kind of see like, oh, well, this is why people resort to this, where it gets into a really crazy circle here. So he's like, okay, I need to get a job to support my family right now. My uncle that I'm staying with is like, Hey, I'll get you a job. It's called running drugs for me and it'll make you a lot of money, but it's very questionable. And you might have to go through state borders and stuff and potentially go back to prison if you get caught. So there's like all this shit. So he doesn't want to do that, but he needs to support his son 
but he can't really stay there that much longer anyway because his uncle's like, you ain't staying here for free. You need to do something for me. So they like live in a car. So he's like, okay, I'm going to get a job. So he goes to try to get a job and they're like, well, if you want a job, you need a driver's license. If you don't have a driver's license, then you can't have a job. And so he goes to get a driver's license. Goes to get a driver's license. At the DMV, they go, well, it says here you never paid off your child support. And we can't issue you a driver's license if you don't have child support, if you haven't paid off your child support. And his child support is like, well, you know, you have to pay us, but you need a job to pay us with money. So it is a literal like, okay, how is he supposed to do anything? if they won't let him do anything it's literally yeah. an impossible situation and they like point out when once it happens in the movie and it clicks in like the viewer's mind you're just like dude what the fuck is wrong with the system we have like holy shit that's insane and he points it out too and it's like really sad and um luckily i think his book is like it has a happier ending but it's unfortunate because like the whole time you know one of his friends that uh it, like his one of his two closest friends i think he's like family too um knows he wants a computer but he can't get a computer without a job and stuff to better like write his book and stuff <coughs> and he um he has issues with gang stuff too where i think he accidentally like shot somebody at one point but he brings him the computer and he's like yo i found you a laptop and the other gang i guess that had beef with them starts chasing him they like find his friend and kill him and it's just like a sad thing because like all he wanted to do was give him the laptop and then he dies because they found out where he was because he was supposed to be laying low and uh you have that occur there's like another guy who is very much a good guy but he wants to go to college but he needs money for it so he tries to like figure out what the hell he's supposed to do and he's like you know well dressed you have all these guys that are very much like you know dressed like they would be in a gang Whereas this dude's got a little, like, nice little white shirt and tie and stuff. And by the end of it, like, it's a very much just, like, very laxed movie for the most part until, like, these things happen. But it's not, like, what's the tone I'm looking? It's very casual. Like, it's very down to earth. Uh, There's no crazy music in it. There's nothing. It's just very much just, like, very intimate, if that makes sense. Like, every experience he has is just intimate. You're seeing him walking through every room, uh, talking to every person. And you're just feeling like, oh, this is what life is like, which is, I think, what the whole point of the movie is, is just to show, hey, this is what life is like here. And this is why we can't get out because we're stuck here and there's no way out for the most part. Like, it's very hard to get out and because there's no help or anything. And uh, the last thing I'll just say is, like, at least it has a happy ending for, like, a couple of the characters. Like, they do get out, which is nice. But it's it was just a very interesting movie. So, um. I would recommend it. It's just like, it's it's a very like uh, you're not gonna feel t- yeah it's yeah it's kind of depressing. So you're not gonna feel too happy after watching it, but you'll feel more. I guess you'll feel like you you learned something out of it too. I think about society, if anything. All right. But uh, yeah, that's that's I think Sutra Side Talk for this week. If you guys would like to. Follow us on whatever platform you're listening to. You can. And if it is Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. Spotify, rate us. And YouTube, give us a like and a subscribe there. That would be very helpful. 
And uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Citrus Side Talk. And like I said earlier, uh, we'll be a lot more present on Instagram Monday through Friday. Uh, Twitter, I'm just trying to be more interactive with our account. And for uh, TikTok, I do plan on hopefully this week starting uh, cutting up clips of all of our video episodes and putting those one minute clips on there and testing that out. But also maybe there's some news that we won't talk about here. I'll try to do a little like one minute opinion piece there as well and see how that goes. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how all that fun stuff pans out and you can follow all that stuff at Sutra side talk. And yeah, you can follow James at Twitter invader at invader Jim one, two, four and follow me on Twitter at GoGoComzilla. And next week we have Marvel stuff. Moon Knight, Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness, in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, week after for uh, our 150th episode, we will focus on Horizon 2 for Ben West, finally. And then uh, final week of May, we'll do some Halo stuff. And yeah. And like I said, look out later on this week for episode 29 of Sutra Side Watch, where we talk about Malcolm X. So all that stuff is coming up. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy all this and like the content. Yep. But catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. And stop.